Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Come Follow Me Today, a brief message to help us experience an additional spiritual moment in our otherwise busy lives. My name is Caleb Sanford, and thank you for joining me as we accept Christ's invitation to follow him today. Well, we are starting month four of our time together with this podcast. Thanks to everyone who has been with me from the start. And for those of you who have joined more recently, there's still time to go back to the beginning and listen to all of the episodes, especially if you don't have anything else to do during your COVID-19 quarantine. For those of you new to the show, we loosely follow the Come Follow Me study curriculum of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, working our way through the Book of Mormon, Another Testament of Jesus Christ. If you haven't taken the time to rate and review this podcast, yes, I'm talking to you, please take a moment now or after this episode to write a review so that others are able to find the show more easily. Consider it a way to share the gospel without having to actually do anything. Okay, so as we start this new week in our Come Follow Me curriculum, I was excited to dive into King Benjamin's speech to his people in the book of Mosiah. Well, imagine my surprise when I flipped the page in the manual and saw that for the next two weeks, we're actually taking a pause from our ongoing slog through the Book of Mormon and are instead focusing these two weeks on Christ. The header for this section in the study manual says the following, quote, During the days leading up to Easter Sunday, consider focusing your personal and family scripture study on the Book of Mormon's powerful testimony of the life, death, resurrection, and atoning power of Jesus Christ, end quote. Okay, this is a bit intimidating for me to think about. How can I use a small handful of eight-minute episodes over the next two weeks to effectively cover all the most important aspects of Christ and his role in our lives? Well, fortunately, that's your job in your individual scripture study. What I would like to do today, before attempting to make some episodes that touch on these subjects, is to make a case for why accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior is so important for ourselves and our society. To do this, I'm going to go back into the last few books of the Book of Mormon from last week's reading that I didn't cover already. If you remember back to the beginning of the Book of Mormon, Lehi and his family left Jerusalem because the people there were beginning to be wicked, disregarding the teachings of the prophets and making poor choices. The society was in decline. So the Lord sent Lehi, who was still faithful, and his family away to settle in a new world. Well, almost immediately, we begin to see the seeds of the same tendency begin to manifest in Laman, Lemuel, and then some of the sons of Ishmael, where they had trouble heeding the counsel of the prophet, Lehi, and made poor choices as a result of that, including, but not limited to, trying to kill their brother Nephi on several occasions. Then Lehi dies, which is sort of the last straw for Laman and his followers, and they begin to persecute Nephi to such a degree that Nephi and his people have to break off again from society, flee into the wilderness, and start again fresh, far away from the Lamanites. Then, in the book of Jacob, we see that even the Nephites begin to show signs of spiritual decline once Nephi dies. Quote, and now it came to pass that the people of Nephi, under the reign of the second king, began to grow hard in their hearts and indulge themselves somewhat in wicked practices. Yea, and they also began to search much gold and silver and began to be lifted up somewhat in pride. End quote. So Jacob and his brother Joseph step up their game to try to shepherd the Nephites back to righteousness. It's debatable how successful they actually were at this, but I'm sure they were able to help at least slow the spiritual decline of the Nephites. It didn't help that characters like Sherem would pop up, educated, charismatic, informal leaders that pulled many people away from Christ with their slick words. But at least towards the end of Jacob's life, in chapter 7 of the book of Jacob, 
it would appear that Jacob had helped to turn things around for the Nephites. Quote, and it came to pass that peace and the love of God was restored again among the people, and they searched the scriptures, end quote. They even started to try to do some missionary work to the Lamanites, whom we hadn't really heard much about since Nephi broke away from them. And then Jacob dies. Let's call it a hundred years from the time that Lehi left Jerusalem. Enos, his son, takes over as one of the lead prophets and describes his people during the next 80 years or so. Quote, and there were exceedingly many prophets among us, and the people were a stiff-necked people, hard to understand. And there was nothing save it was exceeding harshness, preaching and prophesying of wars and contentions and destructions, and continually reminding them of death and the duration of eternity, and the judgments and the power of God, and all these things stirring them up continually to keep them in the fear of the Lord. I say there was nothing short of these things, and exceedingly great plainness of speech would keep them from going down speedily to destruction. End quote. So we're about 180 years out from Lehi leaving Jerusalem, and the Nephite society is basically teetering on the brink of spiritual destruction. It's taking the prophets all their effort to keep them from turning into another Jerusalem. Imagine if you and I had just spent the last three months reading about Lehi, Nephi, and their journey to form a more perfect society, only to find out that they had failed and their descendants had fallen away from God. Well, then Enos's son, Jerom, or Jerome, however you want to say it, takes over, and things haven't gotten any better. Quote, Behold, it is expedient that much should be done among this people because of the hardness of their hearts and the deafness of their ears and the blindness of their minds and the stiffness of their necks. Nevertheless, God is exceedingly merciful unto them and has not as yet swept them off from the face of the land, End quote. But there's still hope, quote, and there are many among us who have many revelations for they are not all stiff necked. And as many as are not stiff-necked and have faith, have communion with the Holy Spirit, which maketh manifest unto the children of men according to their faith, end quote. Somehow, these faithful saints are enough to bring the Nephites back around to God, because Jerem then tells us, quote, And now behold, two hundred years had passed away, and the people of Nephi had waxed strong in the land. They observed to keep the law of Moses and the Sabbath day holy unto the Lord, and they profaned not, neither did they blaspheme. And the laws of the land were exceedingly strict. End quote. It's interesting to note here that it may have been the laws of the land being exceedingly strict that actually forced the Nephites into spiritual compliance, which is very likely not a sustainable solution. But we do read that, quote, Our kings and our leaders were mighty men in the faith of the Lord, and they taught the people the ways of the Lord, end quote. This then led to additional prosperity among the Nephites, but as Jerem goes on to say, quote, And it came to pass that the prophets of the Lord did threaten the people of Nephi, according to the word of God, that if they did not keep the commandments but should fall into transgression, they should be destroyed from off the face of the land. Wherefore the prophets and the priests and the teachers did labor diligently, exhorting with all long suffering the people to diligence, teaching the law of Moses and the intent for which it was given, persuading them to look forward unto the Messiah and believe in him to come as though he already was. And it came to pass that by doing so, they kept them from being destroyed upon the face of the land, for they did prick their hearts with the word, continually stirring them up unto repentance, end quote. 
Okay, so again, this doesn't sound like a society that is truly converted to God, but rather a group of people that are on the verge of falling away. Then in the book of Omni, things really go downhill. The Nephites have so many wars and fall into such spiritual disrepair that we have to start the whole process over again. The Lord commands Mosiah to gather as many of the people that are still faithful and abandon the Nephites and flee into the wilderness, where they find the people of Zarahemla, another group that had fled Jerusalem at about the same time as Lehi, but had also over the last few hundred years fallen away from God. But Mosiah is able to unite his little tribe with the people of Zarahemla to become the new Nephites. It gets confusing here. And then he dies, and his son Benjamin becomes king of the Nephites. Quote, And it came to pass that after there had been false Christs, and their mouths had been shut, and they punished according to their crimes, and after there had been false prophets and false preachers and teachers among the people, and all these having been punished according to their crimes, and after there having been much contention and many dissensions away unto the Lamanites, behold, it came to pass that King Benjamin, with the assistance of the holy prophets who were among his people, by laboring with all the might of his body and the faculty of his whole soul, and also the prophets, did once more establish peace in the Okay, so what's the point I'm getting to here? In basically every society we see in the scriptures, starting with the Old Testament and the people of Israel, to Lehi's family, to the Lamanites, Nephites, the people of Zarahemla, and even the people of Coriantumr that we also hear about in these chapters, all these societies are constantly moving away from God. We're going to see this pattern continue for the rest of the Book of Mormon. While there are some individuals who continue to make righteous choices and stay firm in their faith, the majority don't. Collectively, they all fall away from God. In our own society, I think we can see this happening also. While there are many people who continue to be faithful disciples of Christ, as a society, we're moving away from God. I think it's important to recognize in ourselves this tendency to move away from our faith in Christ because it lives in us all. The natural man or woman in us is constantly trying to push us away from our faith, and it often wins. It's only through our efforts to cling to Christ that keep us from becoming like the Lamanites, Nephites, and all the other peoples we read about in the scriptures. Our faith in Christ and our determination to accept his invitation to follow him today and each day is the only thing keeping us on the straight and narrow path that leads to eternal life. This weekend, we have the opportunity to watch the General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The speakers we will hear are similar to the prophets that we just read about that helped King Benjamin bring peace back to the Nephites, men and women of God who have been called of him to help keep us from losing our faith individually and degenerating as a society. As we prepare individually for this event, perhaps we can think about our own faith and try to identify weak spots in our spiritual armor and use this general conference to receive revelation that will help us to fortify our weak points so that we can be part of the force that helps keep our society at large from sliding into spiritual disrepair. I also want to point out the role of leadership that we see in these scripture stories. It was only when the people had a strong, faithful leader, like Lehi, Nephi, Jacob, and finally King Benjamin, that the people as a whole were able to have peace and spiritual stability. King Benjamin is a great example of this. Quote, For behold, King Benjamin was a holy man, and he did reign over his people in righteousness. And there were many holy men in the land, and they did speak the word of God with power and authority, and they did use much sharpness because of the stiff-neckedness of the people. 
Wherefore, with the help of these, King Benjamin, by laboring with all the might of his body and the faculty of his whole soul and also the prophets, did once more establish peace in the land. End quote. According to the examples we have in the scriptures, it takes not only prophets, like those called to lead the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but also strong, faithful, righteous political leaders to ensure that a society can achieve peace and spiritual stability. While I'm not advocating for a monarchy, like with King Benjamin, it's interesting to think about this in the context of our government and who we vote for. While I certainly don't intend for this podcast to become political— Perhaps these are things we should think about as we're casting our vote for leaders at the national, state, and local levels. Perhaps instead of voting based on economic policy, environmental policy, or healthcare policy, we should instead vote for leaders who are as close to someone like King Benjamin as we can find. Men and women who are holy, who make righteous choices, who set the example of Christ-like attributes like kindness, respect, charity, virtue, and who will, like Benjamin, labor with all their might of body and faculty of their whole soul to establish peace in the land rather than contention. So this November, instead of going to the ballot box and voting all red or all blue, Maybe we can think a bit more critically about who will help our society to live a bit closer to the principles of righteousness. Well, my brothers and sisters, the point is that we need to be mindful of our spiritual health, recognizing that there are significant forces, both within ourselves and externally, that are trying to lead us to spiritual destruction, and that this has been going on in every civilization since the time of Adam and Eve. If left unchecked, we will all fall away from our faith and lose the happiness that the gospel of Jesus Christ brings to our lives. If we can acknowledge these tendencies in ourselves and in our society as a whole, then hopefully we can make the decision now to cling more tightly to our Savior, Jesus Christ, to walk even closer to him as we follow him down the path that he has laid out for us, and to make choices that will help our society to have peace and spiritual stability. For me personally, accepting Christ into my life 12 years ago or so, and allowing myself to follow his example has not only positively changed my life, but also many others who are in my circle of influence. This is the power of Jesus Christ in our world, as more of us actively make the choice to accept his invitation to follow him today. The influence he has through us can change the world. Like King Benjamin, we can, by laboring with all the might of our body and the faculty of our whole souls, with the help of the prophets, once more establish peace in the land. Thank you for listening today, and we'll see you next time.